You are listening to Talking About Tracy Chapman, the Tracy Chapman Fan Podcast. This episode, we have Roger Bennett. He is a British-American broadcaster, podcaster, filmmaker, novelist, and big Tracy Chapman fan. Let's rock it then. You know, of all people to, to sort of find, um, as I said, I've interviewed um, musicians, um, photographers, videographers, um, and all sorts, but um, I wasn't expecting to find you. But then, you know, um, Twitter led me to your book, which um, has a whole chapter dedicated to, to Tracy Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, unexpected, but absolute joy to, to find you and get you in in um, in that seat right there and talking to me. So thanks for thanks for joining us, Stefan. It's a joy, genuinely. I've been looking forward to this since you first reached out. It's a joy <laughs> to be with you. Well, tell me a little first before we get into Tracy about um, Liverpool because, as I said, that was my uni town. Um, it's the main the main city near where I grew up, really. So. Um, how was that growing up under the, um, I guess, the shadow of Thatcher um, in a in a very liberal Labour town? Yeah, I mean, a, a city so left wing that there were serious debates when I was growing up in the 80s about seeding from the rest of England and making Liverpool a socialist republic, which I thought would have been kind of amazing. <laughs> um, I, Liverpool's a magnificent city. I was just there. I've just come back. Um, from from being there with my with family for the first time uh, since COVID, uh, so first time in nearly two years, and you know, it, it, God, it's an incredible city. It's always been an incredible city, um, but under Thatcher in the 1980s, when I was a kid, uh, it was a dark time, and employment in the north of England was just incredibly high. Um, there was a heroin epidemic. It was just general. Uh, just a cloud of hopelessness uh, everywhere. Newcastle, you know, Manchester, Leeds, these once great industrial cities of coal and cotton and wool um, had lost their industrial, they had their heart ripped out uh, of them in the post-war years. And Liverpool was the port city, once the greatest port in the world, um, but it had lost its meaning totally by the 1980s. Um, and if you've seen Billy Elliot, yeah. then you kind of know what the vibe was like. Um, and I didn't have the ballet dancing moves of Billy <laughs> Elliot. Um, but like a lot of people in Liverpool, we had football and we had music. Those were the two ways we announced ourselves to the world. And, and when I was a kid, a lot of the way I made sense of the world was through music. But more than anything, a lot of the way I kind of sustained myself in a really dark time, time this is where, where life seems to be lived in black and white was by just devouring anything American I could get my hands on, you know, the books, the music, the movies, the television, a knockoff pair of Ray-Bans, yeah. um, the Chicago Bears. And I really did. I, I feasted on American culture, American soft power, um, and it kind of threw a sense of a world, a parallel universe where life could be lived in color. Um, and I just, I, I'd never been. Uh, never been really much out of England, but I told myself this is how I survived that I was just um, an American trapped in an Englishman's body. <laughs> That's interesting. I feel like um, it's the American dream, right? That you were you were sold. Yeah, I mean, it's a. I wrote this book, Reborn in the USA, you know, during lockdown when sports stopped and there was 
nothing to do and that nature abhors a vacuum and i just you know, i was in new york in manhattan um and it just then it was really the ground zero of coronavirus for an, a, a just an awful dark period and there was chaos and fear of the unknown um and you're right it was a dream and it was a child's dream you know i had when things were dark in Liverpool, I had the Statue of Liberty and the Manhattan skyline crudely painted on my bedroom wall. It'd be the last thing I'd look at every night. Um, and it was a child's dream and it was a dream. Um, but for me, I made that dream real by moving here to that very city, New York. And that's very much what my book is about, trying to retrace in a time of dark awfulness, um, trying to retrace the steps, like 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 the breadcrumbs, uh, through the enchanted forest in a fairy tale of how I'd gotten here and to try and separate the the dream from the reality and really explore the contours of the love of the United States, which has been, I guess, the organizing idea of my whole life. It's interesting you say that. I think a lot of Tracy's work deals with the um, complex identity of the USA and, and how not only its history, but also... Um, how it's presented in the, in the you know the reality to quote um across the lines the back streets of america kill the dream of america so you know bang 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 yeah yes when you got there how was it did you immediately think okay we've made it or was there an adjustment period and you know um what did it look like in real cra- crazy adjustment period uh, i i came at the earliest opportunity um right after university and uh you know as an illegal um alien i came on a tourist visa and just overstayed oh right. um and, you know and part of the reason i wrote the book also was that when i did become american in 2018 one of the greatest days of my life you know i tweeted my uh, joy on the courthouse steps um and i had just come from a room where you know there's 200 and something other freshly minted new americans from 63 countries many of whom had had um you know crossed deserts survived famines uh, survived civil wars to become american you know the, the one thing we shared was the notion of america had given us strength and courage when we needed it uh, but you know i just survived a couple of late night beatings in the Liverpool chip shops, which ah. didn't compare to what everybody else uh, or many of my fellow new Americans had, had, had gone to. And it was beautiful and it was wonderful, but it took place in a time of culture war. When I tweeted out that, you know, I've become American, um, the, the response was immense. I mean, immense. I tweeted why I wanted to become American. Tracy Chapman, very much part of that in a Twitter thread. Um, and then, tweeted the photo of myself with my certificate of naturalization um and there was you know there's a lot of god you did it the right way you were legal um and i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't i was an illegal alien it's important to to make that clear but the beginning it was it was like the first half of scarface um for me you know coming here um in in the way that i did um but without the um without the, the 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 axes in the shower um <laughs> scene and so it's it's been a long climb i mean really what you're getting at and i wrote the book during covid that then went into the black lives matter summer um and the agony and the trauma of that and then into the toxicity of the of the election um and so essentially 
what I've learned to do is to realize that my dream was a child's dream and a child's love. And, um, you know, child's love is, 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 is very pure, very heartfelt, but is, is fairly, um, infantile and an adult love. If, if any of your listeners are in love, uh, or feel love or experience love, um, you realize, I think as a grown up, that, um, love is bloody hard work um it's it's something you work at and the object of your love whatever that is a person sports team a band a nation um the the object of your affection has strengths and has weaknesses and um, part of being in love is committing to work hard to revel in the former work hard at the latter you know the the um epic from my book is then hughes line the great poet uh, oh let america be america again the land that never has been yet and yet must be and that's the discordance but nothing is perfect in life we all know that apart from apart from Tracy Chapman. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you should say that. I think um, what brought me to, to this podcast even was my need to express that, you know, that love and to, to be thankful for someone who guided me through um, a dark and hard time. Like, it, it's, you know, um, very similar to, to, to what you're saying. And I think, you know, your quote, um, I attempted to write this book in a spirit of love, hope and optimism, um, which you believe will prevail, is, is almost... That that is the message of Tracy Chapman's music. Ultimately, it's it's saying, look, this is happening. Uh, we need to change it. It's it's a call to arms, almost in in that sense. So I really, I did, I did see, you know, how you align with her on that on that level. Um, yeah, I was changed. I mean, the way I hear her music has changed as I've changed. You know, like when I grew up in Liverpool, I did, you know, I fell in love with American music, Rolling Stone magazine. I'd send off for whatever albums they reviewed, whether I'd heard the bands or not, you know, bands that, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Guadalcanal Diary, Lone Justice, Boogie Down Productions, uh, Jason and the Scorchers. There's a band, the Windbreakers. I listened to a lot when I was a kid because I got their album. I had no idea. They weren't even big in America. Like the lead singer, uh, one of his family members just reached out to me and sent me his autobiography, which starts, no one has ever heard of the Windbreakers. They're <laughs> one of the biggest bloody bands to me. So I had, you know, Huskadu, um, obviously the Talking Heads are replacements, Eric B and Rakim, but um, they, 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 they all existed only in my imagination. I had no context to put them in. And when I first heard Tracy Chapman, um, who was introduced to me by a teacher who really was just like the one saving grace in a, a pretty, when I look at it, hilariously uh, horrific old school education. Mr. McNally, you know, he, he, get, he slipped me um, her cassette, which I still have here on my desk. That's the actual one. Um, you know, I'd like to lie and say it was the actual <laughs> cassette, but no. eBay is a wonderful thing. That's um, eBay, I, yeah, yeah. I, I bought many, many Tracy Chapman cassettes. Um, I own multiple, multiple debut albums in multiple, multiple forms. And just even holding them or even looking at it. Yeah, you told me just before we started taping that you interviewed the photographer who shot the album cover. Yeah. It's an incredible image. Even just looking at it gives me gives me strength when I need it. But I want to be clear, like when I first heard it, I agree with everything you're saying now, um, understanding, you know, um, the, 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 the societal challenges in America in a uh, more sophisticated way when I did as a kid. 
Um, but when I first heard that Tracy Chapman cassette, first of all, it's one of the few albums that I heard first time. It, it just got hooked immediately. Normally, I have to work at music and listen to the lyrics and really right. develop it. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, a few songs grab me the first time I hear them. Um, but there's something in the tenderness, the honesty of her voice, the vulnerability. Uh, it almost feels like... Um, you know, she's smoldering with such an intensity that she's in danger of burning up, but she has to get that truth out. It's like, it's just, she has no choice but to sing it. And I, it was just, God, it was remarkable. And it was the emotional, the devastating purity um, of her sound. Um, and talking about emotion was something we didn't do in England, still don't do in England not to often. a large degree. You know, more now, more now, but it's still, it's like a tiny bit instead of not at all. And this human being articulating emotion, that was the the power, um, the power of it to me, articulating that in the here and now. And also uh, the deep contrast to everything else. I mean, it, it, the, the massive album before that for me and for everybody else that was faintly audible across Britain at all times, uh, was probably Beastie Boys, the license to ill. Yeah. Um, and, and before that, everything was a, a kind of a, synth, a harsh synth sound. So it was partially the emotional honesty and partially just the stripped down starkness, uh, the way, so the, the message, the messenger, um, and, and, and the, um, and the way it was delivered, that whole package, that's what, that's what struck me initially. I think, yeah, it's interesting. She's almost in spite of um, a, um, any expectations. She's just saying, you know what, this is this is what I have. And if you look at when they were recorded and, and written these songs, the demos and, and the rough takes go back to her uni days in the sort of early 80s. So she hasn't bended her sound or messaging for um, the record label and she hasn't done anything in the sense of stripping back things which maybe um are not going to work she just says you know this is what i have and and this is um how it's going to be presented to the world and i think which, that which is amazing it's an that's by the way that's a way not just to record your debut album that's a way to be in life this yes. is who i am this is what i do and this is how i do it and it doesn't matter whether i'm at tufts and i'm busking on the street or whether i'm going um into the studio um in, for a lecture i'm doing the same thing yeah I agree. And I think that is, you know, for me, uh, incredible. And I'm a fan of some of that synth pop that you mentioned also. But um, it, it's. By the way, so am I. God, <laughs> I, I, I. You know, I listened to uh, Human League Dare for the first time in a while this year and um, uh, this week. And bloody hell. Oh my God. All I'll say is I've gone down a wormhole, but we'll save that for your other <laughs> your other podcast, Filoki, today. But the, the, the um, you know, also what was deeply inspiring to me um, was as you hint her life story and that, you know, that rise, um, the purity of her rise from street corner to, um, to the Nelson Mandela 70th birthday tribute um, concert, which I'm sure you talk about a lot on this podcast, but I remember watching, I mean, watching that, um, was also deeply, is still deeply imprinted on my retina. Um, and you know, I, you can, I look at that on YouTube, um, dozens of times a month, um, thinking about what courage it took for her, um, 
I mean, everybody knows the story at this point that she was just a minor act filler. But then um, Stevie Wonder synthesizers had a malfunction. Um, and so they just threw her on stage because she was acoustic in this Wembley Stadium, 72,000 drunk, confused English fans. They wanted her here. I just called to say, I love you. <laughs> you know, this is meant to be the pinnacle of the bloody um of the bloody broadcast and instead they've been served up a 24 year old unknown mm. and when you watch that you see her in a signature black turtleneck on just with an acoustic guitar and you watch her walk on stage and she does look afraid um, and i've got to say i was already a massive fan of tracy chapman i already adored her. i played this. yeah yeah okay. I'd, I'd, I'd i'd fallen in love with her my, my english teacher uh, my economics teacher had given me a See, I actually to this day do not know how he found her. He was very into American music, you know, really turned me on to a lot of, here, here's a Marky Moon. I think you'll enjoy this. Um, <laughs> here's Gil Scott Heron. The, um, it was amazing. And, um, but I was terrified for her and she seemed terrified. She knew what she was about to do. It was like being a gladiator walking out to, to face the lions. And you know, she's yeah. tuning up. And you can hear when you watch it on YouTube, there's an angry roar that crackles around Wembley. And I knew full well, and you know, you know what our country fellows can do to people um, when they've had a couple of beers in them. And I was bloody terrified, not to mention there's an estimated 600 million people watching on television around the world. Um, and I, I remember thinking I could barely i don't do not know if i want to watch what's about to go down it was a recipe yeah. for just not just disaster but just evisceration but then tracy leans into that microphone um and then breaks out that opening riff to fast car um and she is nervous you see a you, you hear a voice it grows in confidence but at the beginning she was you know, she needed a minute, but then she seemed to draw mystical strength from her own lyrics yeah. um, and then and snapped into that mode that you've hinted at where she's like, sod it, I'm singing my truth. I don't care. I don't care what you think of it, which is also is for a teen at that age, however old I was. That was deeply, that was a, one of the great like, lessons. Stop thinking about what other people think about you. Just do your bloody thing um, and believe in it. And she quietened that whole bowl, that Wembley bowl suddenly became like the most intimate, um, small, um, beautiful venue, just a magical, um, intimate setting. And um, she's overnight. I mean, she, I did, normally when bands became massive, I also stopped liking them. I remember when Culture Club, <laughs> when I wrote this in my book, Culture Club, I, I was probably one of the only people to buy their first two singles. First was a disastrous flop. The second was amazing, um, but didn't break through. And then, and then they did break through. They went to number one. And my mum was like, oh, it's your favorite band. I was like, I, I remember oh. crying. They weren't mine anymore. I said to her, they're the world's. They're not mine anymore. Um, but something about Tracy, I was thrilled that she was the world's. It's interesting that you, you know, yes, we have chatted about that moment um, a few times on the podcast, but what we have never really looked at for, is from the angle of the angry, almost disinterested crowd, because it's, you know, I haven't had any many British people on for for start, but yes, I do know um, what we can be like as, as crowds. <laughs> um, so that's really interesting. And I think um, it's, 
it's something she struggles with to this day almost um is um fame uh, fame for fame's sake she just isn't into that and she doesn't like uh, famously she doesn't like interviews and i said this to you before we came on like um thanks to my uh work we have been able to interview pretty well everyone that i've ever wanted to interview um i've learned a lot about life um in the process yeah. and um yeah, there's a short list of human beings that i am desperate 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 to have on the show yeah. um philip larkin okay primo uh, primo levy uh, both of whom will not be coming on anytime soon philip larkin was the english poet Okay. Um, fairly awful human being by all accounts, but you know, wrote some of the classic English sentiment. Um, yeah. you know, they fuck you up, your mum and dad, they fuck you up, they do, they give you all the faults they had and add some extra just for you. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, wrote some beautiful work, the mower, um, about how we must be careful of each other, we must be kind while there is still time. Um, and Primo Levi was an amazing Italian, a chemist who um survived Auschwitz and wrote some of the most powerful uh writing on the human condition I've ever um I've ever written um and also sadly is not with us um and Tracy Chapman's the third um that's like she's the she's the one of yeah. the three that is living she's on a little bit of a hi- hiatus at the moment I guess you would say <laughs> um 12 years, 12 years. <laughs> and I uh, love that I love that I love the way you've got you've uh, Stephen, you, you, you hint that she's coming. She's coming back. Well, there's no news. She said that she's living a life in San Francisco happily. So I think if you look at from about 1988 through to um, 2008, when she she released Albright Future, it was tour album promotion, tour album promotion on the cycle for every single year of her life. I think she took maybe two years in between New Beginning and Telling Stories. Mm-hmm. So she's happy to um to be out of the spotlight i think it suits her and i think also also she's she's out of a contract so i think that's sort of speculation but with with sort of observations over the years and and a few of the things she said but i think um she will come back she is recording still um in her in, in her own space i guess and she's still writing <laughs> well what what i will say is um the the world is a time a place of credible darkness incredible yeah. chaos incredible fear the stakes couldn't be higher yeah. right now and just that the world is a better place when tracy chapman speaks into it I and um, and that's what i would say is just to hear her ideas her thoughts her creativity her emotion um the world is a better place when when it has Tracy Chapman. Just even if it's just one, even it's, if it's just one song, right now it would be it would make the world. It's a, it's a very rare currency. Uh, truth, uh, right now for Tracy to drop some would be. You're not alone. Be, You're oof. not alone there. I mean, as I say on the social media, it's a question we get every day and maybe tens, hundreds of of times, and um. You know, you mentioned Bang 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 earlier, and in a lot yeah. of ways, I feel like she might feel—and this is total guesswork—that she's written these songs. She's told us, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Bang 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 is—you could completely overlay it onto the Black Lives um, Matter movement, and it and it is 
almost like it's been written for um 2020 you know so um yeah, it's fair i mean it's, it's very hard to rewrite the bible to keep dropping <laughs> uh to, 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 to drop it actually like, i've written my thing you guys can just keep interpreting it and um and uh, and and huge huge respect if that uh, you know I can, I can actually i can actually buy that shit i've said my thing you guys just keep Mm. keep engaging with it keep asking the questions that i'm asking keep uh relating to the emotions that i'm demanding of you dear listener and that's the pathway i've set out but i can add no more were you um in america for the seth myers talking about revolution performance last year do you remember that um yeah um how did that feel because i mean on, it blew up on twitter it became you know this cultural moment really for a woman who hasn't released anything in god knows how many years yeah i mean so i've been talking about tracy chapman since we started broadcasting uh which was 2010 world cup Mm -hmm. i talk about a lot um and so just i've noticed in general um well for the to begin with people engage with it um, as if it was a piece of kitsch, uh, you know, when I talk about my emotions and I talk about, you know, um, uh, I, did, we're, we're, I support Everton football club and when they lose, which is a lot, um, <laughs> I often, I often, often will play fast right afterwards to remind myself that however bad it feels, um, there's always human beings who are a lot in a lot more agony than I am and I need to get on with it. Football, as Jurgen Klopp says, is the most important, least important thing. Um, And so, yeah, I talk about fast car. um, And to begin with, it was, it was like a a forgotten uh, moment of musical history. One that people felt deeply warm about. But when you met, it's one of those things, when you mention it, people are more like, oh, I haven't thought about that in ages. Um, And that was that that's gone i mean the last five years i think there's been a reappreciation of tracy's work in general you know mm-hmm. she was kind of in the she, i'd say in the beginning 2010 when we started to talk about it, she's more in the suzanne vega kind yeah. of like the the mists of time oh i love that song yeah yeah oh, i love that song i haven't heard that in ages <laughs> uh, but something has happened um there has been a reappreciation in many many forms um you know the cover the the the, the perennial covers, and I don't know what your feelings, the covers of her work by other artists, mm. uh, like the Black Pumas and um, and that kind of thing. Um, I don't know what your position is, but like I'm to me... I'm a purist. So. Yes, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. To me, it's like perfect already. And so you don't yeah. really, you don't I, really try and... I don't want it. your sketch of the Mona Lisa, is how yes. I say it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like, it's a, I'm going to show you Roger Bennett's Michelangelo's David. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Exactly. That's, just a, that's just some plasticine. What are you doing? The, yeah. um, the, yeah, I mean, that's, that's ultimately, it, it, I, I can't stand them. But what it has done is, I think, led or triggered a reawakening, a re, uh, not just a, a remembrance i think it's actually a whole new generation of just um engaged with with tracy's work which is which is bloody wonderful and i think she has become a legend of the um without doing very much on her part without doing very much um on the 
American Samba. I actually did an event with Seth Myers last night, and I wish that this interview had happened oh, well, um, well. two days ago um, because then I could have asked him and got more uh, got more <laughs> insight into the uh, the the hows and whys for you. I, I see her doing that show more as more as just a moment, just a a re just reaffirming a um a phenomenon that was already happening which was just her moving her way back into the pantheon of american greats yeah and i think she also wanted just to to say look i i'm not with with this circus that's going on in the background um and you know vote for a without saying it just vote for common sense i guess um before we go tell me a little about the the photograph um in the background there to your left this one this one yeah hey that's a painting <laughs> it's great there god you got a good eye um you you are referring to because i'm assuming most people are listening to this as a podcast yes, i'm actually so. in my studio which is uh i mean not unlike my childhood bedroom which just had hundreds of american things you know like um uh, the Chicago Bears, William Refrigerator Perry, and uh, side by side with Michael Jordan dunking and pretty in pink um, uh, movie posters and, um, you know, 10,000 Maniacs debut album and Danny DeVito in Throw Mama from the Train, which is the poster <laughs> I nicked from the cinema. Just junk, you know, with Schlitz, beer cans, Budweiser bottles stuck up there. And you've spotted a painting which is over my left shoulder. Um, when I released my book, I mean, the book is very much, it looks at the influences that uh, made me love the United States of America. And I could try and break them down piece by piece, you know, including starting at the beginning, things like um, Dynasty, Dynasty, they call it here, mm-hmm. uh, and Dallas, which was like, you know, we, we watched Coronation Street, EastEnders, yeah. uh, Brookside. Um, those are massive shows, working class misery in London, Liverpool and Manchester, where the general value was, uh, watch this. You think your life's crap? It's nothing compared to the misery oh. these characters are experiencing. So shut the hell up. And that is it. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly Dallas and Dynasty were like, no, no, no. Here's rich people. Their problems were about having too much money, too many oil wells, too many mink coats. And I was like, oh my God. I felt like aspiration for the first time. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, I broke down and bought the music, the Chicago Bears, when I first saw them, the Super Bowl season, it blew me away. Um, obviously, the John Hughes movies were deeply, uh, deeply influential. Miami Vice, my God, um, a television show that was less about narcos um, in Miami uh, in the 1980s and more a guide to a 14-year-old kid who didn't know anything about women, about how to um try and affect a singularity and dare to be different which genuinely meant wearing linen pants and no socks in liverpool in the winter which which was which, which was which was not an advisable path we're and going then, that way again sorry but just, <laughs> <laughs> that true? if yeah. you're wearing them if you're wearing those as you're listening to it i take it back and they look great on you you look great um and then there's tracy chapman um and when i released the book uh, reborn in the USA, which is you know, a very humbling experience. Uh, dropping a book about my love of America and the contours of that love for an American audience. Um, one of the first uh, big features on it um, was in the Wall Street Journal. Um, they did it in their Saturday um, review section. They put it on the front cover and they came up with this piece of art, which is me 
uh, with a, a, um, an Arby's beef sandwich, which I also wrote about in depth, um, surrounded by all my heroes that had made me what be American Tracy lead among them. Um, and I loved the piece. Um, and I dropped a line to the artist just to thank him um, for the piece. And he was you know, beautiful. He's a football fan. He wrote back um, and then came up and uh, gave me uh, what tonight I thought was just a computer generated. Um, Robert Parada is his name. Um, I thought it was just a computer generated image that the guy dashed, dashed off, uh, you know, probably 12 of them a day. Turned out it was a bloody oil painting. I couldn't believe it. It's incredible. Stunning. And there she is looking, I think it's straight off the YouTube video from, from yeah. the Mandela, um, the Mandela concert. And that's, uh, that's it. That is, God, that is really the inside of my head as a 15 year old, that oil painting. It um, does look the, like an exciting oh. place to be, to be fair. It does look, <laughs> it's an aspirational place to be for sure. I mean, I think everybody, uh, Stefan has their version of this you know all your listeners will and I'm sure if they're listening to this the one constant for them and there'll be many different you, you're seven you'll have your own version with like a 15 year old Stefan um, in Wales with different human beings there this yeah. is mine I, the one constant for listeners of your podcast is that Tracy um, will be in it and god we're all I mean a testament to how we're all much better off for uh, uh, for her work, her creativity, and her poetry. So, yeah, I mean, thank you so much for for um, joining me, having a chat today. Just before you go, though, um, yeah. I ask everyone this. Um, Favourite song and why? Oh, man, I mean, um, I, I just adore, I mean, it's got to be the first one I ever heard, and it's a cliche, but I can't lie. And try and be different. I mean, it's, uh, I think I think Fast Car, um, which is the song I want to be played at my funeral as my casket is lowered into the ground, yeah, uh, right, right after Tears of a Clown, um, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, it's just, I mean, it's the first one I heard. Um, it's the first time I'd really heard such so much emotion compressed in to a song um and just a mesmeric guitar playing um but it's that and it, it's amazing i listen to a lot a lot a lot of music and i go through a rhythm where i listen to it so much there'll be, always be a moment where i've listened to it too much mm. uh overplayed a song and then I, the song almost immediately loses its power and its interest for me and funnily enough once it's broken it's actually, it's not like something I can just rest and then get back in. I can play it like a, if it's broken, it's like a glass that's been smashed. I can not play that song for a couple of years, play again, but it's still broken. It, once yeah. I've overplayed, I, have, I can never overplay Fast Cut ever. It's one of the, uh, it's one of the only songs, there's two or three others, but it's one of the only songs uh, that I, I can play and play and play and play and it never 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 loses an iota of its power i think that's you you summed it up beautifully when you said it's the single most human track that you've ever heard and i think it has so much um so much renaissance renaissance relevance to to people's lives that um you know i think someone famously said they felt like Tracy had been going through their trash and reading the mail. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's just that level of um, deep uh, insight into the human psyche. But and by, by, by the way, the, the thing that's amazing when you say that is um, 
everybody feels that um and that's a testament to its brilliance uh is that everybody no matter where they are you know across america you in north wales me in liverpool you know across the globe many perspectives people who understand the issues that she's talking about people who don't understand it's just an incredible human canvas that everybody projects their their own meaning in and that's ultimately the true power and the and the true legacy of all of it can i just say before i go i think it's amazing that you do this you're a wonderful madman Um, (laughs) i I can't tell how much i was looking forward to doing this you are a beautiful 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 bloke um for for doing all that you do and sustaining i mean in tracy's um what word did you use hiatus i love that (laughs) it projected she in chase hiatus for you to do this and just keep stoking the fire of love and joy and truth and and human wonder it's it's an amazing thing you do it's just a test again a testimony to how wide how broad how um i mean just how seismic um her impact's been i think also it and this is maybe me blowing my own trumpet, but sometimes you need to. I think it's the power <laughs> of, it's the power of passion as well, isn't it? Like it's the power for any, if you've got a joy and a passion for something and you follow it, you can literally work with anyone or what on anything that you that you want. So I think that's a message which people need to hear more. And I think that's what you're, you know, you definitely. I, I, I love all that. I could not agree if any, if, if any has been a motif. I mean, tenacity and passion, I think are the two are the two great values you're a beautiful human being we're so grateful and genuinely completely tickled to be on this and um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been magic yeah um it has been an absolute pleasure my end as well have an amazing day thank you very much same, again same to you cheers